الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وكونوا مع الصادقين O people who believe اتقوا الله fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and try to be with the truthful ones being with the truthful ones is because of the company that you will benefit from people who are truthful in their tongue will generally try to be truthful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well what happens with people who truthfulness is a very important factor and if truthfulness is not learnt it can be quite detrimental that even so-called respectable individuals, uh, dignified individuals sometimes, who people may honor for other reasons. And I'm not talking about evil people, I'm, t- I'm talking about people who come to the masjid, people who have a decent standing in the community, people who may even be part of the committees running, managing the masjid. So, uh, people of certain influence as well, they, if this company is not found or if from a young age a falsehood is not eradicated and truthfulness is not a important aspect in their life or it's just a conceptual aspect as opposed to a realistic aspect then life becomes full of falsehood even without realizing it people will become what they call compulsive liars without realizing that they are a liar. If, the, if I'm assuming that if they heard a bayan or a lecture or a talk on lying, they probably wouldn't even apply it to themselves. They think, yeah, that's a nice idea, you know, this needs to be spoken about, but I don't think it applies to me, I don't lie. It becomes such a second nature to lie, to get out of situations, to get your way, to make yourself look better, to get what you want, uh, to never get in trouble and you don't even realize that that applies to me. You won't realize it. And this is what the deception of the soul, this is the deception of the nafs. Lying is something that is such a big problem in Islam. In fact, the Prophet has mentioned so many simple things about lying which we've heard before to the extent that he's literally said that you can't be a Muslim and a liar it doesn't go together I think I think what it is is that the, the reason why Islam and lying cannot go together is Islam is about Iman Islam is the, uh, t- to be technical Islam is the outer expression That's how you define Islam generally, although Islam means the whole package because you can't have the external without the internal to be valid, so it's the whole package. But Islam is actually the external aspect and Iman is the internal aspect. Because when Jibreel asked what is Iman, Ya Rasulullah, he mentioned all the belief aspects, the internal beliefs. I believe in Allah, the last day and so on. That's all Imaniyat. So that's something that happens from the heart and the mind. And the outer aspects, the external aspects, they are the outer expressions that your body will give based on the conviction, Iman inside. So, 
why is truthfulness so integral to Islam? Because Iman is defined as Tasdiq. Tasdiq in Arabic comes from the word Sidq, which means truthfulness. And Tasdiq means to confirm something is true, to recognize truth. And if a person has really recognized, if a person has really recognized the truth, then that means they are proper believers. They've understood what truth is. Then they should understand what truth is for themselves. If you can cut the evil from the haq and understand who Allah is and cut through that darkness and have sidq in that sense, then you should have sidq in your heart about everything else in the world. If you've been able to understand one of the uh, one of the most important things, you should be able to understand everything else as well. So sidq and truthfulness is very integral to our faith. It's part of what makes us increase as believers or decrease as believers. Because Iman is that conviction in something. And our conviction is in the oneness of Allah in declaring His oneness. The more that Iman we strengthen, the more we'll be convinced about that. That distinction will be so clear that this is the haq and that's the batil. So we become better assessors. And thus we should become better assessors in truthfulness for ourselves or not. So that will totally deny somebody being a compulsive liar. This is something that hit me much later when I dealt with an individual. And he's a dignified individual. He wanted me to do something for him. Um, perform a nikah for one of his children or something like that. And basically, you know, he, he, he told me to that this is what you have to do. Number one, number two, number three. There's three things you're going to have to do. In the, right? You'll do all those three things. I said, okay, fine. But then after that, when you do a nikah in a masjid, you have to work with committees. They weren't going to allow all these three to happen. So then the committee spoke to me that you can only do number three. Number one and number two is already somebody's taking care of that. Which is fine. So I went back to this person and I said, This is what happened, and you know, there's too much confusion here about this. And he said, I never told you to do one and two anyway, to start with. And it's just like the earth, just not, not because I'm taken aback by uh, because I can't do it. It's besides the point. You know. It's more about the fact that how can somebody lie so straight? And I don't think he intended to lie. This is, this is, this is what it is. I don't think he intended to lie. He wasn't going to win anything or lose anything. He's just going to save his face. That's all. And then I said, but you told me. You've been telling me for three weeks. And then he said, maybe I did say that to you. And I was just, I said, I can't do this anymore. This is, I can't deal with lying. Just so blatant lying. Um, but for the, from this, what uh, you, you know, what you understand is that to cover yourself up, to defend yourself, if you're a compulsive liar, you will lie out of your teeth. You will just lie. You won't recognize you're lying. You only recognize it afterwards if the person pushes you. Otherwise, it's a defense mode. 
It's a defense measure. But you can only do that if lying has become a nature for you. And politicians are the best at it. They know what to say at what the right time. And to be honest, you could probably become such a good liar, but clever about it, or particular about it better, in a sense that I think probably politics is probably a bit more, you can say, refined. I think they've probably had some training that you can't lie because you'll be caught out because now people are recording things nowadays. So I think there they bend words or be selective. I think that's a different type of talking. That's not, it's not pure lying, I don't think. This is just pure, blunt lying. So the person did change the story afterwards. But the initial reaction when he's put into a position, because when I said, I'm not going to do the nikah anymore, it's like the ground just opened up in front of me. Like, how can you do that? I didn't tell you that. You know, like it's a defense mechanism. But I felt really it just took a lot of effect on me that how can and I was thinking why would somebody do that why would somebody do that but it's just become lying and then when you look at the hadith that speak about lying then it makes perfect sense and the Prophet said this in many occasions he said you can just be considered to be a liar just by conveying everything you hear so you listen to things. We hear things every day. Now, when I'm next time sitting in a gathering and I'm, I have to contribute, because you know when we sit with people and someone is speaking, they all like to speak. You know, many of us don't stay quiet. We like to speak. So, we like to contribute. So, what are you going to contribute? You're going to contribute the the saucy things that you've heard in the last week. That's what you're going to hear. Generally, that's what people do, isn't it? Now, the things that you've heard, have you verified it or not? If you haven't verified it, then you could end up being a liar without realizing it here. So this one is you don't know you're lying. You're, you're genuinely thinking, I heard this. But the Prophet ﷺ is telling you that you should be particular. Allah says in the Quran, Ya Yuhalladina, where is it? If a transgressor comes to you with some news, information, then tabayyanu. Find its clarity, get its clarity, understand whether it's real, what's the, what's the story behind it. We have to determine now, we, that this, how do you determine somebody is a fasiq? Somebody with weird hair, is that a fasiq? Somebody who's openly committing zina, is that a fasiq only? Is that a transgressor? Clearly here, that's not just the, the, the kind of people that's meant. It's telling us to be discerning. It's telling us to be careful about these things. So the Sharia wants us to have a mizaj, a temperament, an understanding, to be very truthful and to not convey things and to stop at a particular position. Because sometimes in conversation we have to contribute or we have to say something because it's important to clarify a particular point. But then to get to a point where uh, to stop at a point before it gets to riba is very important. And that's where a lot of people uh, don't make that distinction. So sometimes we have to say that, you know, so and so, I've met him or this, that and the other. But then it's to stop without even giving any 
insinuation or indication that there's something negative about him. If that's not needed. If it's needed where there's a business proposal or some kind of marriage proposal or something and you need to tell them that, look, be careful of the akhlaq or something, then it has to be limited. But otherwise, sometimes what happens is that you have to mention someone to someone for some other reason, unrelated. But the nafs and the shaitan will tell us to add the other saucy bits because this is the nature of the person. They like to add. That's where you have to stop and say, no. If I go beyond here, one of the people who highlight this, uh, who you'll understand this full distinction, who really opens these things up, is Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah. He is, I don't know, he he's so experienced with this, that he's got all these scenarios and he knows exactly, he must have seen it, he must have observed it. These are people with penetrating insight, they, they take a lot of lesson from people around them. And they see this and they're able to make that distinction. Mawlana Tanvi was uh, another one who was like that. Rahimahullah. But in this path, you can be doing your dhikr and you can be making your salawat and waking up for tahajjud. But if we're then releasing all that good from the way we speak, which is by lying without even realizing you're lying because you're a compulsive liar, Lying is a defense mechanism for you. It just comes on quite automatically. And as I said in the beginning, it is such a thing that if they're hearing a talk on lying, they won't even apply it to themselves. I guarantee you. That's why they're not going to change. Because that's a level of ignorance which is called a compound ignorance that you don't know that you don't know about this, that this applies to you. Only when you've been, even when you've been caught out in a position like this, it's still a defense mechanism. You're probably still deluded that that was fine for me to do because nobody's pointed it out to you with those examples. You have to be really particular about these things. Sometimes this happens with all of us. For example, once in Masjid Quba uh, in Tarawi and Witr, between Tarawi and Witr, I gave a little two minutes, uh, one minute talk about not laying your elbows on the ground. It's one of the things I think our people are very behind in. They all lay their hands, uh, arms on the ground. And when the Arabs see that, it's just, they, they just, oh, what are you guys doing? I mean, even big, big people, ulama, they put their hands on the ground. It's just not a, for some reason, not one thing we focus on too much. Whereas in Hadith of Muslim, it mentions clearly, don't lay your, your forearms on the ground like, um, like dogs do. <coughs> very clearly. So, I mentioned it. And I also said, because I know that it'll just pass over people's heads because we don't think we do wrong a lot of the time. It's just become a trait like that. Right? Um, so I said, if you do notice somebody doing that, then after Salah, just remind them. And I said, now we're going to do Witr, just try to make sure. So in front of me, on, in the first row we're talking about, I saw after the Witr finished then, one man telling the next man, a learned man, that your arms were on the ground, and he was surprised. He's a nice guy, and he's surprised. So even though you've just heard a lecture, you've just heard a point about it, that try it now, still did not do it, because it's so second nature to us to do it. So until it's not pointed out, it's not going to get corrected. You can listen to all the bayans you want. Yes, if the bayan's about zina and you're doing zina, you're going to get that. 
big zina. You know, you're going to understand that. But with anything else, it's going to be difficult. These are the hidden traits that they say can only... Th this is the whole reason why tasawwuf was set up. To deal with these smaller traits. Because until you stay in somebody's company and they notice in a few interactions with you that you have a problem with this, who else is going to point Your friends are going to point this out? Sometimes, yes, if you kind of get aggressive with these, things, yeah, you're always lying. But then you're going to think it's just an attack on you, so no, you're not going to listen to that. It's just a fight. So this is just exaggeration. So you're not going to listen to that. And shaitan is there trying to justify everything and our nafs is trying to satisfy everything. So you need a sincere friend. Alhamdulillah, if you have a sincere friend, then that works very well along with a sheikh that you have. But that's what you will learn from being with a, sh a sheikh that cares and that will point these things out. That is discerning. That's why Mawlana Tanwi, the people he made, were all top people. Because he was extremely particular. That's why if you look at all of his khulafa, every single one of them, there's no complaints about any one of them. Because, and the last one who really played his part was Mawlana Abrar al-Haqsab, who was known to be probably even more than Mawlana Tanwi in, in terms of particularity. He would come in a masjid and even if he heard the adhan being said wrong or slightly extended, uh, even the iqama, the salat, people would be, wouldn't want to give iqamat or lead the prayer because of that. He was very particular about things. So how do we get rid of these things? That's the question. So two things which are most important to think about for us, which are critical. Lying has to come out of our life. In any way, shape or form. Some of the questions I receive are, um, can we lie to our parents so that they don't get angry with us? I mean... In hadith, they allow lying in about three places. One is between couples, husband and wife, to keep the peace. Another one is to reconcile between two people. So you go and say, he actually thinks good about you. <coughs> he has some praise. Like, Look, you've had problems, but he deep down he does. He may not, or he may have slightly, or you know, whatever. You're just trying to. You have to have tact in that. Otherwise, you're going to be called a big liar afterwards. Especially husband and wife. You don't want to use this lying thing because eventually it's going to get caught up. People aren't silly. They're not stupid. right? You might be able to get away with it once. But eventually when they find out, then they'll say, every time you've said that to me, then it becomes mistrust. That's even worse. So if you lie to try to reconcile and it finds out, then what's going to happen? So it's with husband and wife, you have to be more honest than with anyone else. But of course, you can't. I mean, there are some things that are probably harmful to reveal to people. I mean, sometimes. So one thing is, how do we decide that we have a problem with lying? And the only way we can do that, unless somebody points it out for us, is to listen to our enemies when they do criticize us. To listen to criticism and reflect. You don't have to. If you feel like it's an ego issue in front of the, in front of the, um, 
uh, the person himself, then don't you don't need to say anything there, but go back and think about it. Think, why is he saying that? Because generally, whenever somebody criticizes us, they exaggerate. So if they've exaggerated, well, just drop 50% of that off, and the other 50%, then you must, there must be something to do with it. So there must be an element of what they're saying. Maybe not exactly the way they're doing it because people exaggerate when you criticize others to make it bigger. That's another tact as well. If you have to criticize somebody as a person of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to be particular. It has to be surgical. Very particular of how you criticize someone. And if you exaggerate in there, you have to be honest that I'm exaggerating. Because if you make a person feel worse than he is or make a person feel then that's also problematic. If there's a criticism, you have to be particular about the criticism. But if you get caught out lying between husband and wife, then it's going to create greater distrust, mistrust, and then that's more harmful. So lying has to stop. So one is the way is to listen and reflect. And number two is to continuously introspect and to have reflection. The way to create reflection is to listen to Islahi lectures or read Islahi books. That's why Imam Ghazali wrote what he did. Maulana Thanmi and others wrote what they did. Just so people could read this and reflect over it. The second point I was talking about was that you sit in a gathering and you start speaking about someone and then it goes into riba. Now this happens even when everybody sitting there is trying to be particular. So we're not talking about a normal gathering. I mean there it's uh, there, there are no uh, there are no limits there, you know, people just speak and how do you how do you deal with something like that? without kind of turning all attention to you by saying, brothers, we shouldn't do ghibat. How would you deal with something like that? Where you're discussing something and then it just goes into disparaging somebody for no reason, no reason whatsoever. It's just making fun of someone, just having a laugh about someone. How would you deal with that? I think one thing that comes to mind is what you do. You change the subject tactfully. Something more interesting but less haram. That's one way to do it. Yesterday I was discussing with someone about a particular individual's discussion came up. Um, you know, who, who, who. It was it, it was about a particular job role and said, who does this here in this area? So he said so and so. And then I mentioned something that I've had some interaction with this individual as well. And. I've had some negative interaction as well. But I didn't see the reason to bring that up right there. That he's not very trustworthy. Right? That was the point. But his discussion had come in tangentially to the topic. So it wasn't about whether somebody had to hire him or not. So it wasn't about that. If that was the case, then I'd say, look, from an employer's perspective or from a person who's worked within his perspective, then be careful because he could just leave anytime and leave you in the lurch. But I just wanted to mention I know this person and I've worked with him. That's all I mentioned. 
and then I, I was careful not to mention the next point because why should I give him rewards? Why should I decrease my rewards? Giving somebody rewards, you know, maybe you'll have a point of altruism there, but why should I decrease my rewards? So another person who was there as well, he said, uh, he mentioned, started mentioning something negative. And I said, I think we're going into ghibat mode. But I could get away with saying that there because they were all ulama that were there. And they understand. And I know they're going to take this seriously, so you can say that there. But if you try to say that in a general gathering, brother, we're doing ghibat, then it'll all turn on you, generally. Unless they're a respectable individual and they have respect for you, then it's different. <coughs> so the other way to do it is what? Change the subject. <coughs> what else can you do? You could walk away. You say, oh, I have to go. And you could walk away. But the problem is that sometimes there's other good things that are happening there where you want to stay there. You can't walk away. You know, you're in a person's house or something like that. And you can't walk away. There's that as well. Once we're sitting at a funeral house, going to do ta'ziyah. So there was another individual there who, for some reason, had some gripe with another individual. When people have gripes with people, they will bring that up. That will become their pet topic wherever it is. They won't look at the situation. They won't be... So it's wrong anyway to criticize other people in front of others for no reason. Especially just to vent your anger for whatever reason. So I don't even know this person that he's speaking about. I don't even know. And the other guys there. And some of the family members are sitting there. And he started on this subject. But now who's going to tell him to be quiet? He's a guest at the end of the day. Now, one is you could tell him off and say, Brother, this is totally wrong. Whatever. You could say that. But then, if he's such a negative person, he's probably going to start off on you. So I said, look, you know, I don't really know the person you're speaking about. And it doesn't really matter anyway. And I think this kind of discussion is probably not appropriate with these guys who are mourning right now. And they kind of started shaking their heads. So I think he got the message. There, I could probably say it because he thinks I'm Mufti Saab. So, you know, you have some respect. But how do normal people do it? That's what I'm trying to say. You know, as a position as an alim or as a Mufti, it's easier. People look up to you. So you can get away with telling people off or admonishing or stopping something but we're talking for all of us not everybody has that position so you're sitting there right they don't know you do some of dhikr or whatever but and you, that you want to avoid these things so you have to find a tactful way of de dealing with that i think one of the ways is to change the change the the topic and if you can if they are going to listen to you then say look i don't think this is munasib so you don't want to offend them at the same time, although you can if you want to, but we don't want to offend them at the same time as well. So then they start, every time they see you, then they say, oh, that guy's uh, uh, such and such a kind of person. They, they think that you're trying to be self-purifying and things of that nature because you have to live in this world. So you have to be careful about these things. But the lesson for today is very simple. These hidden problems in our heart. And we haven't even started on ego and desire and all these other things if just lying can be so compulsive in our hearts that people will just lie and say things it's almost like a child lying you know children at a young age if they lie they lie so blatantly 
that you know they're lying, but they'll just lie. Because they, they're not deceptive yet. Deception comes in much later. Lying comes in before deception. That's what the study showed. They did it on the school children in Africa. So lying came before deception. It was just, just like a survival kind of lying. And it looks like these guys have not grown up from that. This is what they're doing. Because they're lying and the guy in front of you knows you're lying. But you don't really bring those. Deceptive lying is where you put yourself into the other person's mind and you lie according to that. So that's a very ingenuous, creative, clever liar. They're the best liars. Because you don't even know them. Because they've put themselves in your mind and they have lied according to that. So they've played with you. But these other people, compulsive liars, they don't even know they're lying. So it's like a child lying. It's like, obviously, he's wet. Have you wet yourself? No, I haven't. It's obvious you've wet yourself. You know? But bichara, you can understand that with kids. But you can't accept that with adults. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove lying from us. For the mistakes we've made, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not take us to task for those because the hadith mentions that a person lies until he becomes written, documented recorded as a liar according to Allah as a frequent liar Kadhab Kadhib is an untruthful person Kadhab is somebody who frequently lies it's normal to lie frequently and abundantly and he becomes written as a lie in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that lying will not allow your iman to prosper. That's why it's so detrimental. Because iman is based on truthfulness. So then you will start tricking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just you know, in terms of what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. These things are pervasive. Alhamdulillah al-Aliyya al-A'la al-Wahhab Allahumma anta salamu anka salam tabarakti ala al-Jalali wal-Ikram Allahumma ya hiyu ya qiyum bi rahmatika nistaghith اللهم يا حنان يا من لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جز الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم أو الله أو الله allow your baraka to expand over this majlis أو الله allow us to receive your blessings أو الله allow us to be associated and connected with you Oh Allah, allow our hearts to be connected with you. Allow our hearts to be constantly focused on you throughout the day and throughout the night, whether we're standing, sitting or lying down, whatever activity we're in. Oh Allah, oh Allah, grant our hearts your love and ourselves your love and the love of those who love you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you grant us the tawfiq yeah, to have good, good companions and good people we sit with and we deal with and we interact with. Oh Allah, oh Allah, there are many good people in the world. Oh Allah, we ask that you give us a tawfiq to be surrounded by such people. Oh Allah, that you make us and our circles of friends good. Oh Allah, oh Allah, that you make us and our circle of colleagues, circle of co-students and co-workers. Oh Allah, you grant them the tawfiq. Oh Allah, oh Allah. We ask that you grant us the, uh, the uh, you grant us guidance and you make us the guides of those who are guided and accept us for the service of your deen. Oh Allah, we have a short life in this world. Allow us to use it to 
its highest potential for the sake of you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we have a short life in this world. It will end very soon. Oh Allah, allow us to do some deeds by which we will be, people will make dua for us. People will remember us and will make some dua for us. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you allow us to make some investments in the world that will help us in the hereafter. You make us make investments in this world that will help us in the hereafter. Oh Allah, whatever good deeds we have done, oh Allah, grant us full ikhlas and sincerity in those deeds. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us full ikhlas and sincerity in those deeds. Any corruption, any wrongs, any adulteration, any pollution in them, oh Allah, remove them and forgive us for them. Forgive us for them. Forgive us for them. Oh Allah, have mercy on us. 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 Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillah.